podcast with your host, Alan Harris Sr. Episode number 11, Perfect Praise Equals Power, or Out of the Mouths of Babes. Before I proceed, thank you for returning for another Truth Walk. You are so appreciated. Let me set this one up for you. Some things cannot coexist. Some things are mutually exclusive. Some things cannot remain if certain other things are present. While this may seem obvious, some things require some level of spiritual discernment. Case in point, darkness cannot exist in the presence of light. One has to go. Fearfulness cannot exist in the presence of faith. Once your faith is truly activated, your fear is overcome. A lie cannot exist in the presence of truth. Yet, there are those who are willing to compromise, resulting in an alternate truth, a lie. Ultimately, only the truth will remain. Remember this, it is important to recognize the difference between giving someone grace and compromising truth so as not to hurt their feelings. Allowing a person to feel comfortable in a lie does not ultimately help them, but instead causes them great harm. Truth is bigger than all of us. Also, try to remember, if you're always trying to be comfortable with your choices, you're probably on your way to facing consequences for your choices. In case you're wondering who these quotes are attributed to, the Holy Spirit gave them to me just for you. So we know light casts out darkness. Faith, true and strong, will drive out fear. A lie cannot stand up to truth unless all parties choose the lie over the truth. But in God's eyes, the lie will still be a lie, and all who stand with the liar will suffer the judgment of God's righteousness. Whenever you hear a lie, Remember what St. John said in John 8:44, part C, and I paraphrase. When he speaketh a lie, John here is referring to the devil, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. From this passage, we know all lies originate from Satan. No true believer should stand with Satan or condone any liar. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Time and time again, I've come to realize there are only two real paths in this life. One is right, the other wrong. None of us gets it right every time. As a child and as a young adult, I recall hearing about the gray area in life. It's an imaginary area between right and wrong. Experience eventually taught me there is no such thing as a gray area, only a compromise. For those of us who believe the Holy Scriptures, Jesus is the only way. In other words, if we're not doing things the way God's Word teaches us, we're off the mark. We're wrong. As a man of God, I am not authorized to compromise. I've learned to say this when asked to look past some wrong or turn the other way. Any other so-called path or gray area is certainly 100% some camouflage version of the wrong path, sprinkled with some demonic pixie dust, creating the illusion of having some righteous attributes. Designed to deceive us, those who don't study the Holy Scriptures lacking in spiritual discernment or weakened by their own lusts will often choose these gray paths or ways, these ways of compromise, with the attraction of such ways being something that appeals to some weakness in one's own flesh. No judgment or condemnation here. It's just the truth. It's the way this fallen world is. It's the way this fallen world works.
even small church and megachurch pastors are compromising more and more these days. In this episode, I'd like to share how we can all learn from the innocence of children. If we pay attention, little ones can teach us all how to live a more fearless life. The examples I will use are either my own experiences or those I personally witnessed. And now, please walk with me. As I mentioned in previous episodes, I was raised a church boy. Sunday morning as a child, I'd walk about 250 to 300 yards to Sunday school from our home. Even in that short distance, the devil had placed a few pitfalls for us kids. First, the walk was up an alley, and there were no sidewalks. Cars would sometimes cut through that little alley going way too fast. As little kids can be small and hard to see, responsibility for bad drivers was placed upon us at an early age. Stay out of the middle. Stay out of the middle of the street. Walk on the right side. So we did. I didn't give much thought to it then, but stay out of the middle. Don't be lukewarm. There is no gray lane, either left or right, hot or cold. We were told stay out of the middle of the street, walk on the right side. So we did, but it stuck with me, and years later I realized there was more wisdom in that little sentence than I'd ever realized as a child. Second, the alley was riddled with potholes. So while the cars were dodging the potholes, we were sometimes dodging the cars. Isn't this just the way of life? You're going down the road and there's all these obstacles in front of us. Sometimes we can get so caught up in dodging the obstacles we wind up on the wrong side of the road. We wind up hurting others. We wind up hurting ourselves. But the key is to stay on the right side. You'll avoid the potholes and a lot of the other pitfalls. Third, about halfway up, there was a home with a backyard against the alley, and in this yard were two German shepherds. One was female and not too big, but the other was a male and well over a hundred pounds. Having a diet of raw meat and gunpowder, this dog was ferocious, and everybody in the neighborhood was a little afraid of him, except the owners and my dad. But that's another story. I'd actually witnessed this dog hanging from pieces of meat on a hook in a tree. Very vicious. In the Old Testament book of Psalm, chapter 8, verse 2, King James Version, it says, Out of the mouths of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength because of thine enemies, that thou mightest still the enemy and the avenger. In the New Testament book of Matthew, chapter 21, verse 16, also King James Version, Jesus references the same verse, saying, And Jesus saith unto them, referring to the Pharisees, Yea, have ye not heard out of the mouths of babes and sucklings thou hast perfected praise? From these two passages, we can see Jesus is equating what was said in the Old Testament with what he sang in the New Testament. In other words, praise from the mouths of little ones, babes, and even nursing infants equates to power and ordained strength against our spiritual enemies, against the enemies of God. Please allow me to illustrate this truth through one of my personal, real-life experiences. On this particular Sunday morning, before leaving home, I was told to wait for a cousin who was going to meet me at my house. Then we were to walk to Sunday school together. Always conscious of the dog problem, he and I had discussed how we might be able to safely get past that big German shepherd in the alley without being attacked. Our plan was an aggressive one. We thought it might be a good idea to take plastic straws and make spitballs with the paper, then put a straight pen, the kind used for sewing, through the spitball the idea being to use these like blow darts in case the dog came after us. Now, although we had put considerable thought into our plan, it was the considerable thought of seven-year-olds. 
Lord have mercy. But God. Now, as I said earlier, the dog was over a hundred pounds, well over. We each were less than sixty pounds. The decision was made, since I'd be carrying my Bible, my cousin manned the blowgun. Stupid National Geographic and the stories about the Aborigines of Australia and other indigenous peoples who hunted with poisonous blow darts. Talk about too much television. We cautiously began our journey. As we approached the yard where the dog was, I checked to make sure my cousin was ready. Hey, cuz, you ready? Is the dart loaded? Yeah, I'm ready, he replied. We tried our best to be discreet, but the dog smelled and probably heard us as we drew nearer. Roof, roof, roof! He started barking like he was stark raving mad. We jumped back, then my cousin blew the dart. The giant dog recoiled for a second, not knowing what to expect, then lunged at us ferociously. His chain held. I was about to tell my cousin to reload when suddenly, snap! As the brute beast lunged the second time, the cow chain holding it broke, and instantly he was upon us. I heard a scream as the angry dog bit my cousin in his rear. He was crying now, and I could see a hole in the pants of his nice new suit. I then felt what I now know to be the Spirit of the Lord come upon me. As the animal turned his attention toward me and charged in an attempt to bite me as well, without any fear or hesitation, I took my Bible and with the edge of the Holy Book's bridge whacked the dog on the tip of his nose as hard as I could. I felt the strength of ten grown men within me and had no doubt of the outcome. In my mind, I had already won the battle. I yelled, Get away from him, you stupid dog! The blow found its mark, and at impact, all four of his legs buckled. The large dog nearly hit the ground. The dog's yelp was far louder than my cousin's scream had been. His regret was instant, and he seemed to forget what he'd come for as he sprinted as fast as he could back to his own yard. I noticed his paws clawing chunks of dirt from the ground. I'd never seen an animal or man run faster. I turned my attention to my cousin, asking, Are you okay? He seemed a bit shocked, but not so much over the dog. You hit him, and he ran away. You saved me. Weren't you scared? I was at first, but not after he bit you. I was angry then, I replied. He just stared at me a little. We couldn't get rid of our blowgun fast enough. Before turning away, I looked and saw the huge dog sitting on his owner's back doorstep, cowering and whining. Clearly had the fear of God in him. Then, with his arm around my shoulders for support due to his leg injury, my cousin and I turned around and made our way back to my house. We shared our story with my parents, and they were more than eager to handle the situation from that point forward. What I remember is afterward, that particular dog never bothered either of us again. My dad walked with us the following week. After that, walks to Sunday school were far more pleasant and uneventful. Many lessons were learned that day, but I experienced firsthand how God's word is true. He will protect those who fear him but he does not want us to fear anyone or anything more than we fear or reverence him. This is faith in action, and there was no room left for fear. We, me and my cousin, had already come into agreement before entering danger that we would not be afraid. We were going to Sunday school no matter what. God knew this. In the instant I raised my Bible into the air, I had in my little innocent and childish mind decided not only to trust God, that he would protect us from the ravening beast, but also that he would deliver that beast into my hand. Because of God's mercy on my part, there was no thought given to what would happen if I failed. Neither had I felt any need to take any time to consider what additional harm might come upon the two of us had I failed. Failure was not even an option. It never entered the equation. 
Once I committed to completely trusting God, because I really had no other choice at that point, I felt power come upon me. The power of ten grown men surged through my body. I knew without a doubt, no matter what happened, if I had to wrestle the dog with my bare hands, it was a wrap. I would prevail. I was going to win. Another lesson I learned is, there really and truly is a time for everything, as stated in the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 3. In my young mind, I instantly understood that if I had to, if it became necessary, I would kill that dog to save myself and my cousin. He was not going to walk away if he persisted in his tack against us. We were God's children. I felt, no, I knew this within every part of my being. I also learned that God can use anyone to do anything. It is His choice and has very little to do with me or you, but has more to do with God's perfect will. It can help, I think, if you believe in and have even a little faith in Him. It was two seven-year-old boys versus a 120 to 140-pound German shepherd, but the Lord is my shepherd. The story of David versus Goliath is the perfect precedent, the perfect example. David was only a young boy of small stature when he challenged Goliath, the giant Philistine, who was exalting himself against the Most High God. In the end, David took Goliath's head using Goliath's own giant sword, defeating the entire Philistine army that day in the name of the Lord. In the Lexham English Version of the Holy Bible, the Old Testament book of Psalm 8-2 states it differently than the King James Version. It reads, From the mouth of children and infants you have founded strength on account of your enemies to silence the enemy and the avenger. In the same version, the New Testament book of Matthew, chapter 21 at verses 15 and 16 reads, But when the chief priest and the scribe saw the wonderful things that he did, and the children shouting in the temple courts and saying, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. And they said to him, Do you hear what these children are saying? So Jesus said to them, Yes, have you never read? Out of the mouths of children and nursing babies you have prepared for yourself praise? Jesus is referring back to Psalm 8 too, reminding the Pharisees of what was already written, and confirming that the children who are crying out Hosanna to the son of David were actually praising God. Jesus is referring back to Psalm 8 too which states from the mouth of children and infants you have found its strength on account of your enemies to silence the enemy and the avenger. He's saying that the praise of these children will actually silence the enemy and the avenger. It will give strength to them. It is God's strength. And indirectly, he's telling them flat out, he is the Son of God, God the Son, the living God. As I mentioned earlier, using the King James Version, Jesus equates the perfect praise of children, their innocent and blind faith and trust in God, with ordained power to defeat his and thus our enemies. I'm not sure anyone understood this better than that giant German shepherd that day. He probably would have let me baptize him after that experience, but I digress. Me, my cousin, and my family marveled at what God had done. I felt so safe and protected because of how he had watched over us that day. A few Sundays later, the dog's owner saw me going up the alley. He stopped me and asked me, Are you the one that hit my dog? I boldly and proudly answered, yes, he tried to bite me. I'm sorry, little man, were you afraid? I was at first, I said, but then God helped me, and I wasn't anymore. I remember seeing him in church for a few Sundays after that. I want to encourage all of you to pay attention to the ways of little children. We can all learn much wisdom from the way God uses them. They also help us to remember how we were when we were at our best, when we were innocent and walked in blind faith, without question trusting everything we learned about God. 
While we didn't understand it all, it required our faith, and that same faith is what got God's attention. We all need that again. God bless you all, and thank you again for taking this truth walk with me. If you listen on Spotify, please remember to provide your feedback. It proves very helpful, and I appreciate you taking the time. The same is true for your liking and following or subscribing to Truth Walk, the podcast. Have a blessed and safe week. Walk with you soon.